You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. here in verse 10, it suggests that David kept on growing and growing. In other words, David never stopped. And that should be the life of a Christian. That could be the life of a Christian. Can you say that about you? Are you growing and growing and growing? You should be ever moving forward because the moment you become stagnant, you're moving backwards. You've got to ever be going forward in the Lord, ever moving. Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus? If not, then what's preventing you? Once you believe in the Lord, there's a tendency to become stagnant in your faith. You say you believe, then you continue on in your life as before. Pastor Dave will challenge you to daily seek to grow closer to the Lord and more mature in your faith. It requires effort on your part, but God is so worth it. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5. As he continues his message, David, King of Israel. David was a man after God's own heart. He increasingly wanted to know God more and more, and he grew great by knowing God more and more. He wanted all that God had for him. He didn't want anything to go by the wayside. He wanted more and more knowledge of God. The Apostle Peter, in his epistle of number one, tells us to grow in the grace of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in that grace and knowledge. Grace is not only the way, only way that God draws you to himself, but it's the way that we stay in, in the beginning. He continues to draw us, and then grace after grace comes about us. It's how we move and breathe. What did the Apostle Paul say? By the grace of God, I am what I am. It's the grace of God that makes me who I am. I'm the least of the apostles, but by God's grace of who I am. God draws us in the beginning by his grace, and then he continues to sustain us by the same grace. We grow and we stay in our steadfastness. And there's that word, steadfastness. It means having a resolve to stay strong in the Lord. We can never grow apart from the grace and the knowledge of our Lord. We can never grow out of God's grace. Paul says, I am what I am by that grace. We need to be ever growing in God's grace. We need to be ever growing in the knowledge of who Jesus is and who God is. And what has transpired on the cross? We need to look at the cross, let it sink into our heart, and let it become a reality, not just words. Not just words. It is finished. It is a reality of our lives now. That is the reality of our life. It's not just something that was put on there to make it look pretty. Christ's last words on the cross, it is finished. It's done. Complete. No more work for salvation. I did it. Don't go trying to work around to get salvation. It's already been accomplished on the cross. It is finished. Rest. Rest. Rest in his love. Rest. And don't fail to enter the rest. Read the book of Hebrews. Don't fail to enter that rest. Don't fail to come in and take that rest upon you, resting from your work of salvation. We need to be ever growing in that grace, drawing closer to him through the word, through prayer, through fellowship. When we look at the text here in verse 10, it suggests that David kept on growing and growing. In other words, David never stopped. And that should be the life of a Christian. 
That could be the life of a Christian. Can you say that about you? Are you growing and growing and growing? You should be ever moving forward because the moment you become stagnant, you're moving backwards. You've got to ever be going forward in the Lord, ever moving. Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus? If not, then what's preventing you? What's stopping you? If there's anything wrong in your relationship with God, trust me on this, folks, it's not God. If there's something wrong in your relationship between you and the Lord, it's not him. It's you. It's you. You need to move forward. You need to grow. Paul says, press onward. What we just talked about. Paul says, press onward. Press onward. Let's look at verses 11 through 16. Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and maces, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for he, the sake of his people, Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he had some from Hebron. Also, more sons and daughters were born to David. Now, these are the names of those who were born to him in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ebhar, Elusha, Mephag, Japhia, Elashama, Eliada, and Eliphet. David is honored by the kings. David's honored by all these kings, and they build him a beautiful house. This will come into play a little later. But they build David this beautiful house. And after everything we just read, verse 10, David growing and growing and growing, after everything we just read, we come to this where David adds more wives. i got to ask David, what were you thinking? He adds more wives. This is directly against Deuteronomy 17. It was against God's law to multiply wives and horses. It was against God's law. But David continued to multiply wives. And this, as I said before, will be his downfall. He had the propensity for a pretty woman. Always looking out for one. And this would be his major downfall. He continued in this disobedience. And he knew that the Lord had established him as king. That's what it said. David knew that the Lord established him as king. He knew that the Lord had called him and established him in Israel. And he knew that the Lord had exalted David's kingdom. David knew that the kingdom belonged to God. It was his kingdom. And I say this time and time again, you're God's sheep. You don't belong to me or this church. You're God's. You're God's children. This is his church. He is exalted anything that happens here. He's responsible for anything that happens here. For the sake of his people, Israel, it says, David knew that God wanted to use him to channel and bless his people. It wasn't for David's sake that he was lifted up. God doesn't lift up any man for his sake, for the man's sake or the woman's sake. God does everything for God, that he would be exalted, and that if you get lifted up by God, you give him praise and glory for what he's done. You give him thanksgiving for what he's done. Take no credit upon yourself. David understood that God's blessing was not only upon him, but it was upon the people too. I think that made his heart sore. And I love how the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. David is a godly man, but he had some real flaws. He had this propensity for women. He disobeys Deuteronomy 17. And all David still is being used by God, and we will continue to be used, the consequences are going to be drastic. It will catch up with him one day. 
It will catch up him one day, and you know what's coming. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that which he will reap. David was sowing some pretty bad seed here. He was doing some things that God would have to reconcile with him, that God would have to bring up to him. We also learn that God judges righteously, and he plays no favorites. David was a man after God's own heart, but he's going to be punished severely for this wanting of women. So David's growing stronger and stronger and stronger in the Lord. He's also making mistakes, but the Lord continues to bless him. David did not sit back in a hammock and eat bonbons. He didn't do quite that. When you're being blessed abundantly by the Lord, you must be aware that you have an enemy. Anytime a blessing comes your way, you can guarantee that there's an enemy around the corner waiting for you. You go to a mountaintop and you get a mountaintop experience like a retreat, Satan will be there trying to steal all that joy that you had. Two years in a row, we go down to Florida, we are absolutely blessed beyond belief. And two years, we come home, and Mark's cars don't start. (laughs) Two years in a row. It's like he's waiting there saying, here we go, oh boy. And he's waiting to throw a wrench into our happy, into our joy. And that's just the beginning of things that happen. And it's too too long for me to tell you what's happened in my own life and, and everything. He's always waiting to steal your joy, always waiting. When you have a wonderful time and you're being blessed by the Lord, know that Satan is right around the corner lurking. Yes, he lurks, looking to and fro, roaring as a lion to see who can devour. The secret of spiritual warfare can be found in that verse that I just read to you from Peter. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9 says this, Be sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We just talked about that. He walks around like a roaring lion, wanting to devour you, wanting to take you down. Here's the key. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in all the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you suffered for a little while, perfect establish, strengthen, and settle you. I love that verse. I love that verse. I love that verse. It's interesting that the resist here, resist comes from two Greek words, stand and against. Stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might against the wiles of the devil. Stand strong in the Lord. Don't come against him in your power. Don't come against him in your own power. Come against him only in the Lord. Only in the Lord and stand strong. Stand strong. In fact, I use the Jude 1.9 verse. I don't try to come against Satan and go, in the name of Jesus I rebuke you. I don't do that. I do what it says in Jude 1.9. The Lord rebuke you. See my big brother. He rebuke you. I don't want to put myself in that line. Not for me. The Lord rebuke you. I'm trusting my Lord. After every victory, after every mountaintop experience, you will have problems. So be vigilant. Sober-minded means have a clear mind. Think of those things. Be steadfast. Know that it's coming. Be watchful. Don't get caught by surprise. Let's read the rest of it, 17 through 25. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephthim. 
So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. So David went to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me, like a breakthrough of water. Therefore he called the name of the place Baal Perazim. And they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephim. Therefore David inquired of the Lord and said, The Lord said to him, You shall not go up. Circle around behind them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of the marching of the troops of the mulberry trees, or the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly. For then the Lord will go out before you and strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. So, once again, everything's going great for David, and the Philistines attack. The Philistines come, and immediately they go to war. There's a threat. He doesn't go out right away. He goes to the stronghold, and he prays. He inquires of the Lord, shall I go out? Are you going to go with me? Is this your plan? He asks the Lord. The Lord says, go. So he goes out, and there's a great victory. There's a great victory. And it's interesting, though. Rephim means valley of the giants. David's used to fighting giants. But David knows that it's the Lord that kills the giants and not him. David has sense enough to go to the Lord and say, shall we go? And the Lord gives him that strength. Sometimes when we're faced with something that we've had victory over the past, we try to go along, and we leave the Lord behind. Sometimes you have a great victory, and it comes up again. You go, I can do this. I know how to do this. And we forget the Lord. And we experience defeat. We experience being humbled down. We think the Lord will always do the same thing. And I love that. Clearly here, the Lord didn't do the same thing as he did before. And if you go back and read your Gospels, go back and read your Gospels, and I love this part, Jesus never really healed anybody the same way. He always healed in different ways. I can think of at least four ways that he healed a blind guy. He always did different ways. We can't put Jesus in a box. We can't expect him to say, okay, Jesus, come on. Bang, comes down and does his thing. We cannot put Jesus in a box. You can't expect him to act the same way all the time. He is the same. He doesn't change. But we can't expect him to act the same way. We can't expect that. He does not instantly do this. The Lord chooses two ways to defeat the enemy before David is men. It's interesting the way he does that. The first victory of the Philistines, David was wise enough to wait on the Lord. And he waited on the Lord again for the second battle. It's easy to say, I fought this battle before. I know how to win. I know the thing here. Let's do it. And we try to roll up our sleeves and we do that. The sign of the Lord's work in the second time was the sound of marching on the tops of the mulberry trees. I like that. To look at it several ways. When the troops began to move, there was a rustling of the trees. I think it was the Holy Spirit coming through the trees. I think it was the Holy Spirit coming through the trees and making noise so David knew God was ready to act. Remember, the Holy Spirit is likened to the wind. Jesus talked about it in John 3, how the Holy Spirit is like wind. So it makes sense. One commentator said this, we must also in spiritual warfare observe and obey the motions of the Spirit. And when he sets up standard for those sounds of God's goings, the footsteps of his anointed, we too should move. We pray around here a lot. 
And we try not to move until we see the Holy Spirit moving. And when he does, we too need to move quickly. When he heard the Holy Spirit moving in the tops of those trees, his order was to advance quickly. Likewise, when the Holy Spirit moves in your life, you need to advance quickly. You need to act. Don't ignore, don't quench, don't stifle. Don't put out the fire, move forward. When we see the Spirit move, we too must move quickly. We must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven, to see with our eyes. When we see the work of God happening around us, it's like a sound of a mulberry tree. The rustling sound should awaken us to prayer and devotion. When we see the Spirit moving, we should immediately go to prayer. We should immediately be in devotion, see what God would want of us. And we go to His Word to have it confirmed. To have what God wants and is confirmed. I didn't choose to be a pastor on my own. I didn't choose to be a pastor on my own. I had written to Greg Laurie because someone told me, you're, you're called to be a pastor. And I said, what does that mean? What do you mean you're called? I've only been a Christian for two years. I said, what do you mean called? I don't understand what that means. So I wrote a letter to Greg Laurie, whom I heard on the radio all the time and I really was enamored by. And I wrote him a letter. And I said, what does it mean to be called? What does it mean to be called in the ministry? I don't understand what that means. Maybe you could help me. I listened to your radio station. I never expected him to write back, and he didn't, but he had, <laughs> he had one of his assistant pastors write back. He said, Pastor Greg gave me your letter, and I wanted to share that with you. So he did, and he shared it, and he said, here are ten things to look at to see if you're called, to see if you have a calling of the Lord. And he gave me these ten things. And as I read down these ten things, I was excited because I was crossing them off. Yeah, this has happened. People see something in your life. Yeah, this is happening, stuff like that. Nobody told me to do it. Nobody's pushing me forward and stuff. I came to the bottom one. I came to the very, very last one. And it said, and you must have the peace about this that passes all understanding. My heart was broken. I didn't have the peace. My heart was broken. I went, well, okay, Lord, if it's not your will that I be a pastor, then okay. I said, but I thought I heard your call. I thought I heard you for real. And I was heartbroken. So as the Spirit moved, I advanced. I went out into my prayer closet, which was the Ocean City Beach at the time. It was in the middle of November, and there was nobody around. It was empty, just me and my dog. And I was praying, crying out to the Lord. I was crying out to the Lord. I don't understand. If this is you, if this is you, I need to know. You need to confirm it to me through your word. I won't be satisfied unless you confirm it one way or the other. If you say no, so be it. I'll still follow you. I'll still trust in you. If you say yes, you must confirm it in your word. And I prayed with that and cried tears. And I prayed like that for, oh, I don't know how long it was, an hour or so out on the beach. Finally, I walked back in, went inside. And Beatrice was sitting there. And I said, I got to go sit before the Lord. I got to go study. And she goes, okay. So I went into my study, sat down, and I'm thinking, what do I do? Well, I've heard of Bible roulette. I heard of something called Bible roulette, where you take the Bible and you flip it and you go, and it says, Judas hanged himself. Go and do likewise. Whoa, wait a minute. I wasn't going to play Bible roulette. I was not going to play Bible roulette. I, there's no way I was going to play Bible roulette. So I said, Lord, if you're going to speak to me, you're going to speak to me through where I've been reading. Where exactly I've been reading, that's where you're going to talk to me about. If you want to talk to me, talk to me there. So I opened up my book, and I just happened to be in the book of Acts. 
in chapter 26. And I started reading chapter 26. If you don't know, chapter 26 is where the Apostle Paul comes before King Agrippa. He's before King Agrippa, and he's going to give his testimony to King Agrippa. And he talks to him all through that time. And the, the writer, Dr. Luke, sets it all up there. And I'm reading along, and I'm reading along, and I'm in verse 12, and I'm in verse 13, and I'm in verse 14, and I'm in 16, I'm 15, and I got to verse 16, and my jaw dropped. And I started to cry. Because I knew that was it. Because after I read verse 16, I had such peace, and I knew instantly that the Lord was going to do what he had called me to do. Because verse 16 said, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you've seen and of the things I will yet reveal to you. And I knew instantly that God had called me into the ministry. I knew instantly that God had put a calling upon my life. I understood what calling was all about. I understood what it was. And I waited patiently, nah, not patiently for 17 years, but I waited until God fulfilled his promise and sent me here to pastor this church. We have to be ever patient before God. We have to wait for him, for him to experience his promise. He will speak to you through his word. He will confirm. See, that's where God confirms things, is through his word. And once he confirms it through his word, he might confirm it through somebody else. He might share some things with you, but he always confirms it. That's what David did. David went, sought the Lord. You know, when David was right on with God, he was right on. And nothing could move him. Nothing could keep him. But when he failed and he fell, he knew the way back. He knew the way back. You have to know the way back. And the way back is at the foot of the cross. Where you have to go back and you have to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. Our Lord is a wonderful, loving Father. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he will do that according to his purpose in your life. We need to be more like David in the good ways. We need to be more like David in the good work. But we're going to fail. We're going to fail. Some of us might even fall. But you need to know the way back. You need to know the way back to God. God's always standing there. Even when you fail miserably, he's always standing there with his arms wide open, ready to welcome you back. He's the father in the story of the prodigal son. He's the one out on the porch looking for him. I know my son's out there someplace. I know he's coming back. I can't wait to see him. Oh, I want to see him. Oh, I want to see him. And then when he sees you afar off, he comes running to you with his arms wide open. So if you're in that place today where you feel distance from God, remember, it's not God who has distanced himself from you, but you that has distanced yourself from God. And he's waiting for you to come back, for you know the way. You know the way back. So come back to him now. He loves you, and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. We can learn much from David. and We can seek his heart and show his love towards those that we love. We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.